going on, young adults? How are you guys doing? You good? I need you to give me a little more love than you gave Zach. I was listening back there. You guys are kind of quiet. You guys are a little quiet. Hey, before we jump in, turn to your neighbor, give him a hug, high five, kiss on the cheek, kiss on the lips, whatever's appropriate. If you don't know what's appropriate, take a chance, man. Who knows? You never know. Take a chance. No, hey, my name is Connor. I'm one of the pastors here um, in our young adults group. If you've never gotten a chance to meet me or I've never met you, I would love to shake your hand, get to know your name. I promise you this. I will forget your name, but if we talk a few times, I will remember. Ask my wife. I literally will forget like my aunt and uncle's names multiple times in conversations. So I don't know if it's the Diet Coke or whatever it's eating my brain. But um, I try to hang out after uh, service in the lobby. Just come say hi. I'd love to get to know you, get to meet you. Um, over the past couple weeks, we have been in a series. If you don't know, now you know. Shout out to B.I.G. And um, the thought behind this was after the meetup, our prayer was if we would... Um, if God would bless us to have some people that came to the meetup, come to young adults that might be unfamiliar with church or the Bible or what we are doing here on a Thursday night, the goal of this series was to kind of talk about the fundamentals of our Christian faith. And now here's the thing. Fundamentals are for people that have kind of been in it for a while, but if you're new to this whole church thing, this whole Jesus thing, fundamentals are, are, are brand new. And, and a lot of times, a lot of our wrestling, a lot of our, our most tough questions or some of the hardest seasons of our life within our Christian faith kind of come um, in, in terms of these fundamentals. Like, what is the Bible? Like, what is obedience? How obedient do I actually really have to be? You know what I mean? And so over the past couple weeks, um, we've been just kind of laying this foundation where Jess talked about the Bible and how it's a trustworthy and reliable source. And last week, our interns, did a panel about obedience and what does obedience look like and, and how does it benefit the life of a believer. And tonight, um, I wanted to talk about worship. And there's some context to this talk. Um, and, and we're going to do things a little differently. I'm actually going to sing my entire sermon for you guys. And then I'm going to jump on and lead at the very end. No, you wouldn't want to hear that. Um, but no, so this is kind of where this thought came from. We were at the meetup. I was at the meetup and I, I gave a message. I got off stage. I was standing in the crowd. And normally, after I give a message, I'm worshiping God. I've got tears coming down my eyes, snot running down my nose. I'm trying to sing. I know a lot of you try to sing. I hear it. Um, keep on trying. I'll join you. Um, but normally I'm like in it, right? But for whatever reason, I felt like God just kind of like drew me back and I like took a step back and I was just surveying the crowd and I was just kind of looking out at everybody and I saw people with their hands raised, worshiping. I saw people dancing, some people with their eyes closed singing. But then I also saw other people, and this was awesome. This actually got me excited. I saw some people that were looking at the stage and looking at the screen with this look of like, what the heck is like happening right now? Like, what are these people singing about? Like, I've never even heard this song before. Like, what, why are people so excited to like sing? And it like, it kind of hit me like, man, if you're not not familiar with church, if you're not familiar with, with Jesus or this whole Jesus thing, walking into a service where everybody stands up and sings at the top of their lungs and raises their hand, like that can be uncomfortable, uncomfortable and very unfamiliar, like really quick. Like that can get really weird really fast. And so I wanted to talk about worship tonight and, and very interesting, real quick, like backstory theology or whatever. Um, in the Bible, a lot of times in church, we have different roles for people, right? Like there are preachers and teachers, there are pastors, there are worship leaders, what we call worship leaders. And that, that, there is some biblical context to that. But in the Old Testament, there was this tribe called the Levites. And the Levites were sort of the pastors of the day. And, and the Levites kind of just, just ranged doing a lot of different jobs. There were Levites that were in charge of sacrifices and making sure the sacrifices were done correctly. There were Levites that were in charge of cleaning the temple and making sure the temple stayed in good shape. And there were Levites that were pastors that were in charge of playing instruments and singing. 
And I think a lot of times when we think of worship or we think of worship leaders, um, we just kind of think of singers. But traditionally, the role of a worship leader is that of a pastor. They are pastors that just have amazing voices. And, um, and so tonight, I wanted to talk about worship. And so to start, I started comp- compiling all my thoughts, all my notes. And um, I was like, man, I, why don't I just talk to somebody? So I called a worship leader. I went and hung out with them. And I was like, hey, Tell me about worship. Like if you could give a sermon on worship and and talk about the why behind the what, what would you say? And I'm not going to say who they were because they started crying. It was Corey, actually. He started crying um, a little bit. He started tearing up when he was just talking about like the why behind worship. Um, And so as I was listening to him share his heart and, and I talked to a few other worship leaders and worship pastors share their heart, I was like, what is the point in me kind of taking this and regurgitating this information when they could just come and share their hearts and kind of step into that other role that we don't get to see often, but that pastoral role of a worship leader, that Levitical pastoral role of a worship leader. And so tonight, just like we did last week, we're going to do a panel with our worship leaders. I think we're going to do a panel for the rest of the year. I'm not sure. So no, I'm kidding. But tonight we're going to do a panel. And if you could please stand up and give a round of applause to some of the most hardest working people I know, give it up for Corey, Tyler, and Mariah. What's up, guys? Hey, bud. How you doing? Good. Good. All right, we got these super comfortable stools, looking awesome. All right, so I'm going to just flip open my Bible and pick a scripture, and you guys, no, I'm kidding, I got my notes, got my notes in here. Um, Real quick, before we kind of get rolling, could you introduce yourself, Um, tell us how long you've sort of been leading, and just a very quick sort of recognition of your call to be a worship leader. Tyler, you kick us off. Okay, normally they don't give us mics to talk, so is this real? This is real. This is real. Ah, um, I'm Tyler, and I have been, um, I mean, I grew up in church. Uh, my dad was a drummer, so from the, since the age of like two or three years old, I was rolling underneath the pews and going to worship practice and the things. So um, started really young, and uh, when I was 16, finally got the opportunity to lead. So I've been leading ever since. That's awesome. Mariah? Um, yeah, so same thing. I kind of grew up in church. Um, I started leading when I was like 13 years old, which is insane. So it was like leading, you know, but I, yeah, I mean, I love it. I've been doing it. Feel good. And guys, this guy's new. I don't know if you know him or not. His name's Corey. Corey, tell us a little bit about your story. Well, I'm Corey. Um, So I have been leading since I was 16. Uh, That's when I got saved. It all kind of happened really quick. Before that, I was, I was raised Catholic, so I, sang in like mass and choir and um, no offense if anyone's Catholic, but it was super boring. So (laughs) almost didn't make it out of that one. All right. And so to sort of just frame this, this might kind of sound like a redundant question, but um, I don't know if you heard me. I was sharing the story about where this idea came from. And I want to ask you guys sort of right up top, What is worship? Like if somebody is coming into the context of young adults and they have no idea, they've never really experienced like a church service or or this type of worship that we do, like how would you explain to them like, hey, this is is worship, not only what we do here, but the heart behind it. What is worship? Well, uh, that's... I feel like when when you have that question, you have to unpack it a little bit because there's... There's kind of the Western church mindset of what worship is. If, you're, if you walk into a church, especially evangelical, you say, can't wait for worship today. And everyone automatically knows you're talking about music and singing. And, um, but truly, I mean, it, the more you, you research uh, what worship is, it's actually your entire life. It's your breath. It's, it's, your, it's your choices. It's your um, devotion. So uh, when someone asks me that question, like, what is worship? To me, I just... Um, I, I think back to moments where I have been distraught or at the worst, worst uh, time for me and alone and on the bathroom floor, like crying my eyes out. And like, that's my, that was my worship. I'm like, that's, that's all I have right now. So there, there's so many different ways to describe it, I think. Take yeah. A shot. Yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. I think, um, I think worship is just that moment wherever you are. And we think of it as in musical terms a lot, but honestly, it's just that moment where we take our eyes off of ourselves and our situation and we put them on the Lord, um, where we just, we devote all that we have to him and, and we give him the glory. So it might be like a really sucky time that we're in, um, filled with anxiety or whatever it is, or it might be like the best of times where we're just very, very excited, but worship is whenever we just take our mind and our attention off of ourselves and we put it back on him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really interesting. I feel like, um, and I think you talked about this a little bit in our prayer before, but um, man, we all, we're all like musical instruments and we have our, our hands that can clap and our feet that can stomp. Um, and our and our voices can act as wind and string instruments, and so we were put on this earth to do something with that. And so, um, just depending on what you decide to do with that, I think that, I mean, we obviously use that as worship, and that's my favorite kind. But it's more than just a genre. Uh, but yeah, it's those it's that seeking, and we use musical as just a vehicle to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I know, like a lot of people singing is a very like natural thing like I know for myself I you know sing Justin Bieber in my car no big deal I feel like I'm just as good as he is but um no but like we like human beings are very musical very it's something about that 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 just we're drawn to that um talk about like I'm curious to know you know we come together I'm sure everybody in this room sings or listens to music on their own. If you don't, you're the weirdest person ever. Um, and you can leave. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, but there's something too about like there's power and purpose within like corporate worship, coming together as a, as a group, as a body and worshiping together. Um, could, could you guys maybe speak to that? Like what's the power, what's the purpose behind coming together as a body and worshiping God together? Yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about that actually. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I really like to get into it, just a tad. Um, I think Here's what I think. I've spent most of my life completely alone. No, no lie. I did not have friends until like 17. My friends were horses. And like, like for real though, no joke. Um, I was like a weird kid. But I spent most of my life alone. Um, I shouldered a lot and did it completely alone. Um, and I, the moment I experienced uh, Christ, when I, when I gave him my heart, was at a youth camp. And we, it was my first time ever seeing something like this where everybody was together. Um, we were all singing the same thing. And it, it was almost mathematic. It, it, was, it was something, uh, everyone was singing the verse. And there was a tempo. And there was, there was structure. It wasn't this like vague idea. It was we were all together. We were all doing something together. Um, and it moves me. I, I remember thinking, I've been alone my whole life, but in this moment, I'm, I'm a part of something. Um, I'm a part of something that's dated back 2,000 years ago. I mean, from the moment Christ rose from the dead, there have been saints that have been singing about the victory we have over death. And I got to join, for the first time, a, a piece of culture, a piece of, of uh, humanity. I got, I got to join in. Um, and I, the reason I think it's so important and so powerful is alone, we, we see one perspective, right? We go through our life and we, we see one, one view of what we get. We see our cards that we're dealt. But when we worship, when we take our eyes off of our cards for just a moment and we and we look to the Lord and we remember who he is and we sing those things together as a, as a corporate body, what we're actually doing is we're prophesying over our life. We're actually looking at our cards in a different way. They don't change, they're the same cards. We're still dealt the same hand, but we see them differently. And we get to, sorry, I get emotional. I'm sorry, this is weird. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we, we get to look at this hand that we're dealt. And if we don't have the hope of Christ, if we don't have the truth of who he is and what, he's, what he did and what he says about us, if we don't have that truth, it's very bleak and it's really, really difficult, especially alone. 
So when we come together and we get to prophesy the truth, not only our, over our life, but we're singing. Uh, tonight we're going to sing a song called Be Enthroned. And we're, singing, we're saying be, be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. We are joining in with a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews says. We are joining saints that have sung and prophesied over our generation. And what we're doing is we're prophesying over every heart in the room. You're singing out freedom and you're doing it collectively as one body. So yeah, I'm really passionate about that. Please join me later, yeah? <laughs> you guys have any other thoughts on that? Or? Pretty sure that was pretty good. Okay. <laughs> oh, maybe you guys can speak a little more to this then. Um, there's power in corporate worship. There, there is, like, like Corey just said, I think a lot of times when I'm worshiping, I stand there and I think like, as weird as this sounds, like Paul stood in a congregation of people and sang to Jesus, you know, like Matthew did, John did, and, and all these believers that carried the gospel forward that we'll never know about until we get to heaven and, and meet these people. There's something, the Bible even says, don't forsake coming together to worship, because like he said, there's, there's power in, in seeing and looking around a room and being like, hey, I know their story, and if they can lift their hands, I can lift my hands. And in corporate worship, it's, it's not something weird. It's a faith builder. It's, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle that encourages your faith, and you, when you worship, and you're authentic, and you're in your worship, you can actually be building the faith of somebody else that you don't even know is watching you. And so there's power in that. Um, but as, as far as cor- corporate goes, that's, that's awesome, but what is, what is the power, what, what is the purpose in um, worship as individuals? What role does worship play in my devotional time? I, I know a lot of us, when we think of Devo time, we think of, you know, Jesus calling and a cup of coffee and, you know, maybe a little Hillsong or Red Rocks worship in the background. Um, but what, what role does, like, true, genuine worship play in my personal devotion in following Jesus? Gosh, I think that's a loaded, loaded question because there's so many different routes you could go. Um, I think in one aspect, it's just centering yourself to know that this isn't about you. This life that we live, it's not about you. You were created with a purpose, um, and that purpose is to give glory to the Lord. And so when we do that, um, just personally, we're doing what we're supposed to do, and we're giving the Lord all the glory and all the honor. The other side of it is, is like, when it, it's so... Um, encouraging and there's such a freedom found when we just really surrender it all to the Lord. When we, it says in Psalm 8, it says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So when we praise the Lord, it silences all the lies, all the doubts, all the insecurities, all the anxieties, even, but even if it's for just a second, it just silences the enemy right there. There's freedom in there. There's freedom in there. Um, when, when, like, honestly, for me, growing up in the church and just, you know, being a part of worship my, my whole life, like, it's where I found my rest. It's where I found my calling. It's where I found um, strength and encouragement and hope, all the things you were just talking about, like, on a corporate level, but, yeah, just even myself, you know. Worship for me, so I'll, I'll never forget, um, you know, I started playing guitar when I was 12 years old, and... Uh, at that time, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and a whole long story about that. Anyways, I was just a kid trying to learn how to play, play guitar. That's really it. And um, I wasn't very good. But um, I just remember those, those two or three years especially where my dad was going to chemo and radiation and surgeries and all these things. Um, I was kind of a loner too. We have that in common. Uh, yeah. We're Weird friends. Man. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> this is we a really proud now. moment. <laughs> but no, like... But so for hours a day, two to three hours a day, and, I, and I'm really not like exaggerating that, I would just, I would turn on this specific Hillsong CD and, um, and I would just play guitar to it, trying so hard to learn how to play guitar and, and, and figure out this whole worship thing, what does it mean? But the Lord used that so much to minister to me, to bring hope, to bring peace, to, to flood me with truth. And um, even through like the darkest season of life, it was just this light 
that I could not run from. It was amazing. And so I think that there's a freedom there. And so to your question, what is it for you personally? Well, man, that's where you find your peace. It's where you find your freedom. It's where you, you cast all of your anxieties upon the Lord, and he has grace for you, and he cares for you. That's the moment where, where that happens. Mariah, what do you think? What is, what is worship done for your like, personal walk um, with Jesus? Yeah, so I just finished up a nine-month internship here at Red Rocks Church. Woo! Sick. Uh, and I think on the first day, um, Andrew Matrone said, power over performance every time. Or no, I'm sorry, presence over performance every time. Those alliterations. Presence over performance every time. And so, man, I feel like as worship leaders, we would be doing a disservice to any congregation that we step in front of if we're not seeking his face with everything that we have um, and, and fighting for each and every one of the people in the room that we get to lead. And, and we all know, and, and you might have heard it, but we can't lead you into a place where we've never been. And so for me, that's everything. Um, those quiet times, that alone time is everything. Um, without it, we're just up here singing and... Nobody wants to do that. It's a waste of time. And um, I've been listening to some podcasts, and um, Bill Johnson was talking about just presence and, and the Holy Spirit and how at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And right when he came up, the Holy Spirit came upon him like, like a dove, and it rested on his shoulder. And what more would we want um, as believers is to than to have that, that dove just remain on our shoulder. And so what he said was, um, if you want a dove to stay on your shoulder, what are you gonna do? And the answer is, is every move, every m movement or motion that you make is gonna be contingent upon that dove's needs. And so that's, that's what we have to do is, is just be in the presence 100% of the time. I mean, not 100% of the time. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Got to go to the bathroom every once in a while. But no. Um, so kind of not switching gears here, but um, I want to kind of touch on a few things that, that might be sort of the harder questions that we might wrestle with or a little more of the practical things. I know when I first think of worship, when I approach worship, I, um, I feel like I have to come to it with a heart of praise or a heart of thankfulness. Or if I'm not feeling that way, um, I better get my mind right and get my heart right. And in preparing for this, I was reading through a ton of the Psalms. And um, David, you know, wrote a, a bunch of those. And it's, it's funny because I think genuine worship um, also means we need to be genuinely vulnerable during those times of worship. And there would be times where David's like, God, like, you're my shield, you're, you're the conqueror. And then he'd be like, people are making fun of me, like, bust them in the mouth, you know? And like, <laughs> to me, like, I'd be like, I would never say that during worship. But it made me think, it made me think of something. It's like, when we approach worship, a lot of the times our mindset is, I'm, I'm happy, I'm joyful, I've got things figured out, God's answer to prayer, miracles come through for me. Um, but there are very true, honest, real moments where um, we're confused. And when we walk into a Thursday or a Sunday, that hasn't been sorted. Um, we're hurt. And we walk into a Thursday or a Sunday and we're still hurt. And it's a hurt that we can't shelf for a moment. Um, how do we worship? Is worship appropriate? And how do we worship when we're confused or when we're wounded? And, and what role does that play in those seasons of life? They're both looking at me because I am currently in one of the most difficult seasons of my life. Um, so um, right now, this answer is as raw and real and honest as I can be. But I've just been a man. I've been in a in a season. It's I, I can say season because it's it's lasted um, for a while. Um, a season of intense depression. There are days that I can't get out of my bed. There are days where I will wake up and I'll just feel this weight sitting on me. Lies from the enemy. Um, thoughts of hopelessness. Thoughts of of being completely lost. 
all the while being a worship leader at an incredible church and having to get on stage and proclaim truth. And there was a while where I felt really uh, inauthentic and I, and I, I was so sad. I, I, I was leading worship and believing every word I was saying, but then going home and experiencing um, honest, the, the, the appropriate word to use as torment. Um, and so <clears throat> my answer is, is, is very real, and tonight I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand over here, and I'm going to lead worship, and I'm going to do it in the most broken season of my life, and I'm going to sing out the truths of God, and once again, I'm going to prophesy over what's going on in my heart, and I'm going to remind the enemy that I get to crotch kick him anytime he comes at me, right? Because the truth is, <laughs> the truth is, he's a liar, right? So, I'm in this weird, weird time where what I feel, what I see, what I'm going through, albeit very, very real and very intense, is not reality. Um, I'm not experiencing reality. Reality is I'm a, I'm a son of Jesus. I'm, I'm a son of, of a, a literal king. I literally am a co-heir with Christ, which means I get victory over death, and I get to look at depression and say, get out of the room. I have that authority in me, but what I'm looking at, what I'm feeling is not that. So I think to answer the question, very long answer to your very short question, is that as a, as a worshiper, not even as a worship leader, I'm taking that hat off for a moment. I'm just saying as a believer, as a worshiper, you might have been saved for like one day, and maybe you get saved tonight, which we will lose our minds and go crazy up here if that's the case, so... We're excited, but however long you've been saved, the reality is like you now, because of who you're connected to, because of the Holy Spirit residing on your shoulder and a part of you, right now you get the opportunity, however green you might be, to start prophesying, to, to use worship, to, to remind the enemy, right? To say like, hey, you want, you want to kill me? You want to destroy my life? You want to steal every ounce of joy? But right now I'm telling you that no weapon formed against me will prosper. And right now I'm telling you that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And so I think, I think for me it's my bathroom, if I'm being honest. Um, I, <laughs> it's a little bit weird. Whatever. Two birds, one stone. But, <laughs> like, honestly... <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's multi-purpose room for me, but <laughs> but my bathroom has becomes become such a, a safe haven for me. Um, I I have cried on the floors. I have I have reached the depths of hopelessness on that floor. But but I've also I've also experienced revelation on the floor of my bathroom. I bleach it like once a month, so it's all good. I promise. But I've experienced victory, and I've experienced the Lord, words of knowledge. I've, I've experienced these things, and it's because I've gone into this room, and I've said, I am hurting. I am broken. I, I feel like a shell of a person right now, God, but I'm going to go in here, and I'm going to sing, Great Are You, Lord, and I'm going to sing, You're Never Going to Let Me Down, even though I'm at the lowest point. I'm going to sing, You Will Never Let Me Down. You are good. You are good. I am prophesying over my life when I don't feel it, Right? So, do that. Yeah, yeah. I love you. Love you, dude. No, that's so good, man. Uh, you know, Chad always said when we're singing, it's like words on steroids, right? They're lyrics that are super powerful because there's life and death and the power of the tongue. And so when we just start proclaiming these truths, even if, honestly, we don't believe them at the moment, like, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. But I'm feeling let down, God. Why am I singing this? But you just keep singing it and you sing it into believing. And it's, there's just some, some crazy power that uh, the, the, the Lord has. The, the, he uses the Spirit of God to just move um, and, and encourage. And so, yeah, in those moments when you're not feeling like it, man, everything within you, just, just start singing. Even if it's just that, you're never going to let me down. You, you know, whatever it is, just start singing it into believing. Um, it's just amazing. There's actually... Uh the other day for me, um, I was, I'm getting very honest with you, and it's also going on Facebook, so like, whatever, here we go. Um, but I, I had this moment where I was, 
I was talking to the Lord, and uh, I was outside, and I just leaned against this tree. I was so depressed. I was just silent. Like, you know when you cry, and you have, like, the ugly cry, but there's, like, a level past that where you're just, like, a statue, and you're just, like, (laughs) and you're just, like, a dead fish, but, like, tears are just pouring. So that's where I was. So I'm just leaning against this tree, like, losing my mind, and I said to the Lord, I said, okay, and guys, this is getting very honest. If you can't handle it, sorry, you can punch me later. But I said to the Lord, either you're not real or you're cruel. And that's the only way I can reconcile what I'm going through right now and who you are. And I sat in that, and I sat there for hours. And I couldn't, rec- I couldn't find another answer. I couldn't, all the worship songs, however powerful they would be and however poetic they were, they didn't cut through in that moment for me. It didn't matter. I needed God to remind me of who he is. I needed him to prove it. And there was a moment, I had a moment, leaning against that tree where the Lord, <clears throat> very weird picture to give somebody, but gave me a picture of one of my best friends just had a baby, James and Brene Keithley. I'm, I love them. They're in Brussels, Belgium. Um, but they just had a baby. And I watched, I was over there a couple weeks ago, and I watched their son, um, he had he was going to scratch his eyes because fingernails and they just don't get it yet. But <laughs> he was going to scratch his eyes and I watched him put this glove over his hands and it drove him nuts. He was going nuts. He was going crazy. He was crying. He was trying to get it off. He was so uncomfortable. And the Lord just reminded me of that moment when their son was crying and he was hurt and he was probably confused and he was so angry that he was so uncomfortable and the Lord with, you know, if, if that's me, if I'm so uncomfortable and I'm just dying to get out of this weird torment that I'm in right now, the Lord says like, it's okay. It's okay that you're mad. It's okay that you are, that you don't understand yet. It's okay, but I'm going to still protect you. That's why you're going through pain right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that out of your hands. I'm going to protect you from what could happen. So that, that worship in me, although I don't feel it, you know, I still yet, I'm in that season right now, guys. I, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I'm going to lead worship in a moment out of intense brokenness. Um, and I'm going to do it boldly because the Lord tells us we get to come to his throne boldly. But the truth is, like, I, we get to decide, Right? If you're in that moment of, of pain and of confusion and torment, if you're in that moment, you get to decide right now, do you submit yourself under the truth about what you're gonna, what, what you're gonna sing or do you, do you take a step back? Because the reality is, one of my very favorite worship leaders said this, the reality is that Jesus did everything he could possibly do to get as close to us as he could. He literally came to earth and he died and he rose again. He defied all science. He, he, he literally embarrassed death. So he's done everything that he possibly could do to be just inches away from us. So if there's any space between us and him, it's because we've put space there. We've created space. And so I think today, worship for you, when you go home or up here with us corporately, what you do is you remove the space. And you say, I don't get it, and it hurts, and I'm crying, and I'm hurt, and I'm broken, and I'm sad, but I'm removing this space, and I'm welcoming you in as close as you can possibly be. Mariah, do you, do you have any thoughts to add on that? Or? It's real, and I think if we're being honest with ourselves, um, a lot of times we, we don't understand everything that's going on in our life, and we think that that's a reason to not worship. But so many times the Bible echoes that like, you know, we're like, oh man, I lost a job. Like David's like, hey, my son's trying to kill me. You know, like, like literally he took a sword and tried to stab me. Like this other guy's throwing spears at me, but I'm going to go write a song. You know, like there's power in worshiping when we don't know, when we're confused, when we're hurt. And I think, um, that's where the Holy Spirit, that's where God can kind of catch us at our most vulnerable. When, when we're not putting on the facade, when we don't put on the mask, when we don't say all the right church words, but when we maybe say, hey, God, I'm angry. And you know what? Like, 
God's big enough to handle your real emotion towards him. God's big enough for you to say, hey, I don't understand and I'm a little angry right now. Um, hey, I'm confused and I feel helpless. God doesn't push you away for that. He doesn't say like, wow, what an unbeliever. You know what he says? He's like, hey, come closer. Let me take care of you while you're walking through this season. And when you worship, you acknowledge that the Spirit of God is drawing you closer. Like Corey said, God doesn't create any space. If anything, God continues to close the gaps that we create with Him. And so when we worship in our pain, I think we're allowing God to say, hey, I'm, I'm vulnerable right now. My guard is down. I don't have any defenses. I don't have any reason. Come, come and close this gap that I've created between us, even if I don't understand. And so I think that's awesome. And I think that is a reality for a lot of people. I know for myself and, and for a lot of people in here. So that's really good. Um, we're kind of coming to a close. I got one or two more questions for you guys um, before we actually partake in worshiping together. Um, one of my final thoughts is this. A lot of times um, when, when big miracles happen, you know, I think of the walls of Jericho or whatever, God commanded them to march in silence and then they, they sang and they played these instruments and, and walls came down. And I know we use that analogy a lot for, God, there's, there's a wall in my way. There's something in my way. I need this thing to come down. What is worship? How is worship not to be cliche, a weapon for the believer? Like how, how does worship empower a believer's life to move forward, to maybe um, have, help them conquer some of those hurdles that they've, that they've kind of walked through? Does that make sense? Anyone? Well, here we are again. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's all about his authority. Um, he's, he is sovereign. Um, and that, there, sometimes we have to come to grips with that because we see injustice in the world. Um, yet he's still sovereign. And I think worship being understood as a weapon uh, comes down to your understanding of, of authority. Um, I don't think in the last couple of years, I don't think one session has gone by where I don't, before I walk up on the stage, where I say, okay, Corey, you have the authority of Jesus Christ on, on your side right now. Operate in it. Speak out of it. Sing out of it. Um, and, and here's the reality. The, you know, like we said before, Jesus did everything so he could come close. And thank God. Because God is just as holy as he was. He, today, he is still just as holy. A man died because he accidentally touched the ark. He tried to keep it from falling and he, and he died. The Lord is powerful and, and he, he does not mess around and he does not wimpy. I know sometimes we sing songs that make, that make this a love story and make it really romantic and make it very real, but he is a warrior king and he will, he will flatten enemies. And the only reason that we get to have contact with his presence is because Jesus came down and he settled our debts. The, and that makes him sound like this angry tyrant, and I'm, I'm sorry if it sounds like that. He is a loving, protective father, and man, he has proved that to me in these last six months. But the reality is his spirit does not play. His presence does not mess around. And so when we, as believers, if we step into that authority, if we understand that and we say, okay, not only am I, again, we're coming back to the whole prophesying over the room, not only am I singing this truth over myself when I don't feel it right now, I'm also stepping into the authority of a worshiper, of a believer, and I'm going to sing that he's never going to let me down, he's never going to let her down, he's never going to let him down, and you can look at your friend, and you can know all the stuff they're going through, and step into the authority of, of a prophetic worshiper, and you can say, I'm going to sing these truths and I'm going to use this as a crotch kick to the enemy, right? Absolutely. I think I should just say that all the time. Crotch kick to the that? enemy? Absolutely. No, honestly, when you're talking about like singing it over her or him or whoever, like there is such a power in this corporate worship. There's such a power in singing together. Reminded of Acts 16, Paul and Silas are, are literally in prison um, unjustly, they didn't do anything wrong. They actually saved a girl, and because of that, they threw her into uh, threw him threw them into prison. And uh, it says that at midnight, they just began to sing praises to the Lord, left their hands in worship, their feet were bound, um, and, and that was the thing. 
all the other prisoners, right, they just begin to watch and see what's happening. And then all of a sudden, prison shook, the Spirit of God moved, the chains that were on Paul and Silas were broken off. But the coolest part about it for me, and I always go back to this story, is that the chains weren't only broken off of Paul and Silas, they were broken off of the other prisoners. The other prisoners that didn't know who the Lord was, they were in there for reasons, maybe whatever. And so when we worship tonight, man, worship for yourself, worship that. But it's contagious and it's powerful. And when two or three are gathered together, then the presence of God is there and he can do so many amazing things. And so like, that's, I think, for me, that's one of the coolest things about corporate worship. My favorite, my favorite part of my job simply is this. Whenever I back away from the microphone and y'all sing, that's my favorite part. It brings me in tears almost every single time because it absolutely has nothing to do with me. Nothing. But what it is is this collective of people, of souls who are broken, who are trying to figure this thing out, all just like humbling themselves before this almighty God and giving him the glory. And it's incredible to see when we do that how there's so much life that's given, how there's so much healing that takes place. There's so much encouragement and hope. And so... Yeah, when we do this in a few minutes, man, go after it. And for those of you who um, are struggling and are hurting, I, I can't say anything better than what Corey just did because he's going through it. But, you know, Isaiah 40, verse 31, we're about to sing a song called Be Still. And the whole chorus is, I will wait. I will wait for you. Holy Spirit, come and renew my strength. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says um, that those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. It's that simple. So wherever you are, whether you're really high up here and life is great or you are just rock bottom, we've all been there. We're all in this journey together. Wait upon the Lord. And as you're waiting, just give him the goodness. Give him the glory. Give him the praise. Give him the thankfulness. And, and, and when you don't know what to do, even in those moments, it's just simply like, man, it says, you know, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Sometimes I have to do that. I'll be honest. There are times where I don't feel like getting up here <laughs> and um, I don't feel like coming to work or I don't feel like doing the Christian thing. You know what? We're just people too. <laughs> um, but every time I get there, the first thing I do is just, okay, Lord, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this and that. And you brought me from here. And then all of a sudden, it's just a perspective shift. You know what I'm saying? Is when you get your eyes off of yourself and you get them on the Lord, the presence of God is with you and he can just change, just change everything. The old song, um, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this world will grow strangely, strangely dim. And so um, as we do that here in a few minutes, that's my encouragement to you is just let go you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to cry. You don't have to dance. You don't have to do anything. It's authentic. What it is, is just centering yourselves and just saying, all right, Lord, I give you the praise. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. Whatever it is, even the smallest things, start with just being thankful. Yeah, Ben, you guys can make your way on up. Um, Mariah, just specifically for you, how has worship um, been like a weapon for you? How, how has it been something that's kind of helped you maybe step over those perceived boundaries or borders that you, you might have felt in your life? But how has worship sort of propelled you forward in those seasons? Yeah, um, I think one thing that just comes to mind is sitting in those desperate moments and and feeling like I've got nothing left and like worship being the only thing that I have. Um, I think about the woman with the issue of blood, how she went through 12 years of just like torment and she's just seeking healing and, and, and not getting it. And then she's so desperate that she reaches for his hem. And so like, that's my weapon is, is when I've got nothing left is just reaching. And the thing is, is that nobody told her to do that. No one gave her instruction. Jesus didn't give a commandment like, hey, touch my hem. You know, it was in desperation and it was, she had nothing left. And so that's often where I find myself is just, hey, I don't have the words. I don't have the high notes. Like I don't, there's nothing that I can do or say 
but I'm just gonna like reach for you. And so that is, that's where I'm at. That's awesome. Guys, we're about, we're about to kind of put into practice what we've been talking about and engage in, in corporate worship. Um, real quick though, before sort of final thought, maybe 30 seconds or less, tonight we want to set a precedent where um, we're not going to come into young adults and have worship be a flippant thing. And we're not going to come into young adults and have worship be something where we got to smile our way through it or fake our way through it or put a mask on it. Um, I honestly believe one of the most pleasing things to the heart of God is when his children come and just worship him for who he is. Um, And so before we engage in this, if you guys had 20 to 30 second final thought on tonight, what do you, what do you think as a body we should reach for together as we worship? What do you think moving forward in the weeks and the months to come? What's, what's a precedent do you think that we as a young adult congregation as you, and you guys as our um, worship pastors can, can reach for tonight and moving forward? I think uh, what Tyler said, I think this room can cause such a disturbance spiritually that it could start shaking Denver and that chains are just gonna fall off. People are gonna start coming to know the Lord and it's because of what we've done. Um, it's, be, it's because of our, our tenacity, of our devotion. And so I think every time we get to come together, if we can just with everything we have, lay it on the freaking floor and just say like, I am, I'm letting go. And you know what? You don't have to do a thing. You're right. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to jump around. You don't have to do a thing. But sometimes you do. And sometimes that lets something out that maybe, maybe it wouldn't have come out. So I think with all the courage that it might take, I think that coming together in these moments, what we do in this room can shake the chains off of the city. I think that, that people that are our age that are so confused and so hurt right now, that they will have this inexplicable pull to the Lord because we are ushering in his presence. And what, like we said, it does not mess around. It pulls people back. Yeah. Um, I think coming here ready, I don't think that I don't think that you have to wait on us to invite you to lift your hands or invite you to press in. Like come in here, pray it up, be ready because the like the fact is is that this is this is war. And this is so it's so the enemy has such a plan and he's working so hard. So we have to work that much harder. So just come in here and I don't care if you don't like the worship leader, if you don't like the song, like our God is still the same, amen? So like with everything that you have, it doesn't matter, but like jump in. Yeah, and I'll just uh, end it here, I guess, but just say, look, I know it's, it's some of you may be thinking, well, it's easy for them to say they, they work at Red Rocks Church and this is what they do. Um, you're right, you're right. But let me tell you this, I have tasted and seen the goodness of God so many times, so many times, well, like way before I was ever working at a church or doing this as like a full-time thing. This, is a, this isn't a job for me, this is a calling. I would do this 100% for free. I would do it any way I could because worship is so important. And so maybe you're, you're kind of skeptical of this whole thing. You're like, eh, I don't know. I'm telling you as just a human being, a human being that lost his dad at an early age, a mom that was broken, poor, got fired during the whole thing, um, very, 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 very lonely, dabbled in a lot of things that I had no business being a part of, just a person, just like you. I have experienced the goodness of the Lord. I have seen him heal people. I have felt his healing. I have been encouraged. I have been flooded with hope and peace. And so this stuff we talk about, it's not we just got the questions beforehand and, you know, we wanted to write something down. It's like, no, we're talking from experience. And so tonight, that can be you. That can be you, whether it's your first time coming in here or not. 
Again, it doesn't matter what the song is. It doesn't matter who's leading the song. It's the presence of God that will change your life. It is the spirit of God that will change you. It's just him. It's that, it's that simple. And so um, I just want to say that because I know that, yeah, we're pastors and we work here and we do the thing. We're supposed to say this stuff. Man, I'm just a human being just like you. We go through it all just like you do. And I have literally tasted and seen the goodness of God when I have just taken my eyes off of myself and I've just fixated them on him. Can we all stand to our feet? Give these guys a round of applause for sharing their hearts. Hey, really quick, um, can we bow our heads and close our eyes? I know this might seem like a weird uh, time to do this, but I felt so strongly while we were sitting up here, the Spirit of God lead me to say like, hey, even in a discussion, a pastoral discussion about worship, I'm wooing people back to myself. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And if you're in this room tonight, Maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you've heard about it, and tonight's just the time that you've decided to check it out. I want you to know there's a God in heaven who is worth worshiping, and he loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. The Bible says that he came to earth. God himself came to earth. He died on a cross taking the wrath of God, the penalty of sin upon himself. Why? So that he could be gracious to you so that he could be good to you, so that he could be kind to you, so that he could be loving to you, so that you could get what you do not deserve and you get it for eternity, regardless of your past, present, or future. The Bible says when you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. And tonight, if you are in here and during this discussion, maybe you felt your heart racing a little bit. Maybe you were having this internal conversation of, I never thought I would be one of these people. I never thought I would be a church person or a Jesus person. But for some reason, I feel like God is, is calling me to himself. If that's you tonight, could you just raise your hand? We want to pray for you. If you are in here tonight and you would say, I feel like God was speaking to me tonight and I want to respond to him, could you raise your hand? That's awesome. There's hands everywhere, all across that room. I want to give you an opportunity to pray and to respond to the God that is calling you to himself. So if, you, if we all could pray this prayer, would you please repeat after me? Jesus, God, we love you. Lord, we recognize right now that we are in the presence of somebody so much greater. God, we are aware that we don't measure up. We are aware that we're broken and flawed. But God, we're also aware that you are perfect. We are also aware that you say that we are loved. And tonight, we just choose to respond to you. Tonight, we say yes to Jesus. Lord, come into our hearts. Be the centerpiece of our life. And tonight, God, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, guys. Let's worship God together tonight.